Amen. Okay, this is the second of the three messages that we're focusing on Acts 2.42, which was the foundation for the early church. They built the church around these four activities that are found in Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And last month, we um, talked about how these four activities, the word of God, fellowship, communion, and prayer, the four, what I like to call the four spiritual food groups. And if you want to be spiritually healthy, you need to be partaking of those four individual separate activities. The church needs to be, not just our church, but any church, any, any, the worldwide church of Christ, uh, to be spiritually healthy. They need each part of Acts 2.42 uh, and part of their steady spiritual diet to be healthily, healthy spiritually and to be strong spiritually. Now last month, Hannah taught us about the word of God, the apostles' doctrine from several verses from Psalm 119. She shared many of the benefits from the word of God and how the early church was devoted. I love that word, devoted to the teaching of the word. Next month, we're going to conclude with a message on fellowship and communion, and we'll be able to finish the series uh, with taking communion. That's why it, it, prayer really wasn't next, but we're going to talk about prayer today because the fellowship and the communion, to me, uh, really will be a, a nice way to end our summer series. So today, again, focus on prayer. They were wholly devoted to, and they continued steadfastly in prayers. And we should be wholly devoted and continue steadfastly in prayer also. Well, we all know what prayer is, so I could just tell you, pray continually and say amen, God bless you, and send you on your way. However, there are some things I want to share with you about prayer. We know prayer is communicating with God, with our Lord, with our Savior, with our King and our Heavenly Father. But it isn't just talking to him. When you communicate with someone, you want to listen to that person also. You don't want to just do all the talking. Unless you're leaving a message on an answer machine, it's a two-way conversation. You talk, and then you listen, and hopefully the other person has some things to share. Well, with our Lord, we definitely want to be listening to him as part of our prayer time. And how do we hear from him? But through the word, through that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit within. We can hear from him through others that know him. Um, and so we want to have our ears open. Um, but what we're talking about this morning is, is our part of prayer what our verbal communication is on our end. And I want to give you a, a tip. I'm going to share lots of verses. Don't try to write down exactly what they say. Write the reference if you want. Write the number first and then the reference, and then look them up later. Okay, Paul wrote in his letter to the believers in Rome several short exhortations. And in Romans 12, 12, we're told to continue steadfastly in prayer. Sounds like Acts 2.42. They continued steadfastly. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Brother Lawrence, uh, a book was put into 
um, things that he taught on prayer, and he called it practicing his presence. It's being aware that the Lord is with you 24-7, right? Every moment, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year. The Lord is there. So when you're practicing his presence, when you're praying without ceasing, it doesn't mean you're staying at home in your prayer closet on your knees 24-7. It means you're aware that the Lord is with you wherever you are, and it's just talking to him. It's having your ear tuned to his voice, to be open to him throughout the day as you're going about your business. It's remaining in an attitude of prayer and then praying instantly when you're prompted to pray or when someone asks you to pray. I remember a pastor at uh, my other church used to say, when somebody asks you to pray, don't say, okay, I, I will do that. Because chances are by the time you get home or the next day, you're going to forget. But if you pray right then and there and just say, send a sentence prayer, you're going to remember, and at least you won't be guilty of saying, yes, you'd remember them in prayer and then not praying. So it's just praying instantly as the Lord prompts. Uh, prayer is listed with the armor that we are to put on in order to stand and withstand against the attacks of the enemy. In Ephesians 6.18, we're told to pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And what's all mean? All means all. All means all. In all prayer and supplication in the spirit. That's all forms of prayer. Um, and we're going to talk about those different forms of prayer or different aspects of prayer. But it's like walking in the spirit. I want to share three ways that I believe we pray with the spirit. First is when you're walking in the spirit, you're so close to the Lord. He influences you in how you pray. You're so just in tune with him that as you're praying, he's just influencing you in what you are praying. Um, it's Romans 8:26 as well. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When you're so overwhelmed, when you just are at a complete loss, you just don't even know what to ask the Lord to do, or you're just so overwhelmed, uh, you just can't even form a prayer. The Spirit is interceding, and that is praying with the Spirit. And then also praying in the Spirit refers to the gift of tongues. The gift, the spiritual natural gift, some call it a heavenly language or a prayer language. It's a language, and it's a real language that the Holy Spirit gives a person to pray to help them express their thanksgiving and praise, to help them express uh, their deepest needs. Um, when they don't know how to pray, the Spirit knows the will of the Father. He authors their prayers. It's bypassing their intellect. So that's the different ways that, to me, you are praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, James 4.8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. If you've been coming to, to church, you've been hearing Pastor Michael teach on James. This is a promise. When we choose to draw near to the Lord, he's going to be right there. He's going to draw near to you. He desires to communicate with us. He desires to have that fellowship with us, that communication with us. Jesus came to pay for our sins so we could have a personal relationship with him. And it wasn't just so that we could have that guarantee of heaven and know that we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. It's to talk with him. It's to communicate. It's to have that relationship with him 
right now. And think about that. God who is holy, who is sovereign, who's the creator, who's giving you your very breath right now, wants to communicate with you, wants to hear from you, and wants you to listen to him. That, that's just incredible to me. Now, prayer is for all of us. All of us are called to pray, not just a few of us, not just a certain group, but all believers, all those that have been forgiven and have put their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and the empty tomb, knowing that the Lord died, paid for their sin, rose again, and has given you new life through faith in him. He's forgiven you. Now, this was David's heart, who... Uh, the Lord had delivered him from all of his enemies in the hand of Saul. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. He said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies." We've been saved from our enemies, haven't we, ladies? Our flesh, the world, the enemy. He's delivered us from the hand of our Saul. Again, our sin nature, the pull of the world and those things in the world that would entice us as well as the demonic forces that come against us. So let me ask, do you make similar declarations like that to the Lord? Do you make similar statements? Do you acknowledge all he has done for you? We should be. We all need to. Okay, so that's my introduction to the message. Now I, want to, now I want to get into the three A's the Lord gave me. We're going to talk about the aspects of prayer, the attitude in prayer, and the acceptance of answers to our prayer. So the aspects of prayer, the attitude we're to have in prayer, and acceptance of the answers that he gives us to our prayers. So again, listening is part of our communication, but these aspects, again, are the part of our communicating with the Lord. The, what we offer before the Lord, what we voice, what we verbalize, what our heart cries out to him, what we say. Well, they can be prayers that we offer, as my pastor's wife Kay used to share, say, arrow prayers. A prayer you just shoot up like an arrow towards heaven. Just a quick sentence prayer that, that you shoot up to the Lord. It can be what, and I know I've shared this before, what we call pickle prayers. Just a quick prayer that you pray when you're in a pickle, when you just need help, Lord, or Lord, what, what do you want me to do? They can be make mention prayers, as we learn about from Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1-2. He made mention of them in his prayers, and I love that. It's so freeing. It doesn't mean you have to always be spending an hour on your knees in prayer. Uh, you can make mention of others in prayer or make mention of your needs in prayer. Prayers can be prayed in your prayer closet for five minutes or for five hours. That's, that's between you and the Lord and how much time you spend uh, in prayer with the Lord. They can be prayed in a group of just two or three or an individual or even as we did a couple of Sundays ago with the call to fall. You can be down on your knees in a group praying uh, before the Lord. Uh, they can be prayed when you're in bed, um, over the phone, in the car, when you're walking or when you're standing. God doesn't care. It's just having communication with him. It's just talking to the Lord because he's with you. So that different aspects of prayer that I've learned about, are there's seven. 
Thanksgiving, and I'll go over these individually, but Thanksgiving, praise, worship, confession, petition, supplication, and intercession. And I know you're familiar with them all. But number one, Thanksgiving. What is Thanksgiving? Giving of thanks. That's so easy. It's thanking the Lord for what he's done, maybe for what he's doing and what he may do. And Thanksgiving should be a big part of our prayer life because Thanksgiving is linked to prayer throughout Scripture. So many verses link Thanksgiving to our prayers. Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Philippians 4.6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And right after Paul tells us to pray without ceasing, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we're told in Psalm 92, 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Why? why? Why is it good for us to give thanks to the Lord? Well, it changes our attitude from fear and worry or anger, insecurity, to one of gratitude. It gives us an attitude of gratitude, realizing all that the Lord has already done on our behalf. And don't you appreciate being appreciated when you do things for people, you're not doing it, or I hope you're not doing it so they thank you. But it is nice when they acknowledge what you have done. Well, I think the Lord appreciates being appreciated. And sometimes we need to include our thanksgiving in our prayers as a sacrifice. Maybe you don't feel thankful. Maybe everything going on in your life is, is depressing and discouraging. And yet you need to offer thanks to the Lord. Thank him that you have salvation. Thank him that whatever is going on is you're passing through. It's not the end of the, the journey. It's not the destination. Heaven is our destination. And so you offer it as a, thank, as a sacrifice of thanksgiving, putting aside your feelings. And it will help change your attitude. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, this brings us to the, a second aspect of prayer, praise. That often, too, needs to be offered as a sacrifice. Praise is to focus on the Lord and who he is and the great things he has done or is capable of doing. It's like, Lord, you are my high tower, my strength, my wisdom, my, my rock. You are the, the king of kings. You've created all things. You sustain all things. Lord, you conquered sin and death. It's acknowledging who he is and things that you know about him. And, and it helps you to grow in your knowledge of him too as you incorporate these declarations of, of the Lord and who he is into your praise vocabulary. Again, in 13.15 Hebrew, sometimes you need to offer praises as a sacrifice. Again, you don't feel like it. Well, you don't wait till you feel like it. You do it because he's worthy. And as you thank him and as you praise him, it's going to lift your depression or your discouragement or the confusion or the doubt or just the, the downcastness that you're feeling. Psalm 92, 1, as I already said, it's good to give thanks. Well, verse 2, it says, And to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. 
Well, you can't sing praises to his name if you don't know his names. And so as you go through scripture, learn about his names because every name reveals something to us about him, his character, something about the relationship he desires and offers to have with us. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Is it in your mouth at all times, ladies? And if not, why not? He's worthy. He's done so much. Psalm 145, verses 2 and 3. Every day will I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Psalm 146, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my king, to my God, while I have my being. Does God need to be praised? Does he need to hear it? No. But we need to praise him. Why? Again, because God's word speaks of praising him, but it because it benefits us. It helps us. Again, it deepens our faith. It changes our perspective as we look to him, as we realize and acknowledge who he is, it will lift us up no matter what is going on. It will restore our faith and our strength and our hope in him. It fills us with wonder and joy. It, it, it helps us to know things he's already done and things that he is able to do and capable of doing. And ladies, I hope you're getting the hint continually, steadfastly, every day, at all times, not just at church, not just once or twice a week, but all the time. Okay, another aspect, worship. Worship is a natural progression in our giving of thanks and praise. Because when you focus on who God is, his holiness, his worthiness, you are in awe, or you should be in awe. You should just almost want to just quiet your heart before him and lift your hands and worship him, to bow your head before him because of how great he is. Some say we worship through our service or through our giving. Um, and, and I agree with those statements, but to me, I focus on worship through our relationship with him through our, our prayer time, through our personal relationship, worshiping him, uh, pouring out your heart through praying and through singing. Psalm 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And then Psalm 95, 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's to be in awe of our mighty awesome, wonderful, worthy, holy God. Yes, he's our father. Yes, he's our best friend. Yes, he's our savior. Yes, he's our soon coming bride king, bridegroom. But don't ever forget he's God. And apart from him, ladies, you would still be dead in your trespasses and sins. You'd have no hope, no future, no help. And he's a holy God, and we're just dust. And we need to remember that we are just sinful man. And yet he is mindful of us. How incredible is that? He's running the universe, but he's mindful of us. Okay, a fourth aspect of prayer, confession. We all know what confession is. It's to confess our sins, our wrongdoings, our, our mistakes, or our sins of omission, even not doing what we should do. It's to acknowledge that we did something we shouldn't have or that we didn't do something that we should have. 
It's to ask for the Lord's forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some unrighteousness. All, all unrighteousness. And it's to keep short accounts with the Lord. As soon as you feel that little tug of conviction, acknowledge it before the Lord. Ask him to help you not repeat that. Don't give in to the condemnation. The spirit does not condemn us. That's from the enemy or our own flesh just kind of making us feel like worthless. Um, conviction draws us close to the Lord, draws us into the relationship where the Lord says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. And then don't justify it. Don't say, well, don't make excuses. Don't play the blame game like Adam and Eve both did, right? It's the serpent or it's the woman you gave me. No, Saul, that's what Saul did. Saul justified his sin. David acknowledged it when he was confronted and then asked the Lord not only to forgive you, but then to help you um, to start doing what you know he wants you to do or to stop doing when you, when you know he doesn't want you to do it. Okay, a fifth aspect, petition, and that's just like what it sounds. When you fill out a petition, you're, you're, you're agreeing, you're putting something before him, you're asking for a need, you're petitioning him for something that you want or need or think that you need. And we don't need to share too much more on this. We all know how to express our needs before the Lord, our petitions. Luke 11.1, 1, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray after he had been praying. And uh, we're familiar with this teaching. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's praise. That's acknowledging the Lord. And then give us this day our daily bread. That's a petition. That's a daily request. That isn't just one time, Lord, meet all my needs, and then never having to bring those needs before the Lord. He wants you to communicate with him. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What are those things? The food, the clothing, the, the, your personal daily needs. But if you seek the Lord first, he knows those needs. He's going to add those things to you. Okay, number six. The sixth aspect is supplication. And that's very similar to petition. Uh, those words can be interchangeable, but supplication, we think of the word supply. You're asking God to supply your needs. And what are we told in uh, Philippians 4.19? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's uh, maybe asking for the needs, but with a little bit more desperation when you are making the supplication before the Lord. Psalm 6, 9, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Now in Hebrew, the word supplication indicates an earnest prayer. And in Greek, it's a petition or an entreaty. So again, supplication, petition, or where you're lifting up those things before the Lord that you need or that you need supplied or are hoping he will do. He knows your needs. Number seven is intercession. It's a prayer on behalf of someone else. It's prayer on behalf of another person or a group, a group's need. And we need to be praying for one another. Jesus makes intercession for us. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. And we need to make intercession for 
one another. Now there, I think maybe a couple of books left. Hannah had given me some uh, uh, books on prayer for those serving in other parts of the world put out by the Voice of Martyrs. Some of the gals took them Monday night, but I think there's a couple. Please feel free to take one. She has given them to us, so those that really have a heart to pray for those on the, in other parts of the world, it, it just is a benefit to how you pray for them. But um, Monday morning, it was interesting. I was going to give this message on Monday night as well as today. And Monday morning, I received an email that had gone out from uh, asking groups to pray for a pastor, Andrew Brunson, who had lived in Turkey. He's lived in Turkey for 23 years, working as an educator and a humanitarian relief advocate who had been held for over 544 days and is facing what would be a life sentence in a Turkish prison, having been charged with terrorism by Christianizing Turkish culture. And they were asking for prayer, because if he's convicted, it, it, it's like a, a life sentence. And they were asking us to pray. So let's just stop and pray real quick right now. Lord, we do lift up this situation and Pastor Andrew, and we pray that you would deliver him, Lord, from, from being, a, he was your witness, Lord, um, serving you by serving others. And uh, Lord, I don't know more details than that, but I pray his faith would not fail, that you strengthen him and encourage him, Lord, even as we pray that he will feel just a touch from you of strength and renewal of hope. And we do pray, Lord, those in our government that are reaching out to those in that Turkish government, Lord, that they would find favor and they would, you would open those prison doors, Lord, that he would be set free from being uh, held right now as well as from um, a court situation, Lord. Just deliver him and bring him home, Lord, to his wife and to his family, we pray. And we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, intercession. Uh, so those are the different aspects of prayer, thanksgiving, praise, worship, confession, petition, supplication, and intercession. And there's no specific order. Those are the order I like to share it in. But basically, just talk to the Lord. Just pray. Uh, because that's what it is. So those are the aspects. Now, the attitude we should have in prayer. The first attitude I see is humility. In Luke 18, verses 10 through 14, Jesus told the parable of two men. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, one was a tax collector and one was a Pharisee, a very religious man. Now, the Pharisee thanked the Lord that he wasn't like other sinners in all these sins he mentioned. He wasn't an adulterer he wasn't even like the tax collector. And then he listed all the things that he normally did on a regular basis, how he fasted, how he gave tithes, and so on. But the tax collector stood back, didn't even want to lift his head before the Lord, and beat on his chest, and he asked the Lord for mercy, acknowledging that he was a sinner. Well, we know who Jesus commended. He said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector had an attitude of humility. We need to be humble when we come to our Lord. 
we need to remember he is God and we are just sinful man. Yes, we're under grace. Yes, we're under mercy. But we need to remember who he is and who we are. Ecclesiastics 5.2 says, Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Basically, remember he is God and we are not. And he knows our needs, so we don't have to go on and on and on with our details of telling God what we need and how he, st how he can meet those needs and the way he should work things out. God has a plan. He already knows. He doesn't need our advice. Bring your request before him, but you don't have to be. It says, let your words be few. So come before the Lord in humility. Come always with respect. Number two, come wholeheartedly. Come with your whole heart. Jeremiah 29, 13, the Lord tells us that if we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. And that's coming with our whole heart, not half-heartedly, not half-trusting in him and half-trusting in man or in what you're going to be able to do or coming with a defeatist attitude. I'll pray, but it's not going to do any good. Come as a child would go to their father. And I want to read to you just this little devotion from um, uh, a devotion I've been doing. Um, and it's, it's called Candy for Breakfast. Have you ever wondered why children never hesitate to ask for anything? They have an, the audacity to ask if they can eat candy for breakfast, buy a toy every time they are in a store, and stay up past bedtime on a school night. And on a more practical level, they ask for something to drink when they are thirsty, help with their homework when they are struggling, and new shoes for gym class. The reason they come to their parents so freely is that they are dependent upon them. God's purpose in instructing us to ask him for anything is to remind us to be dependent upon him and give him the glory when he provides for us. So often we rob him of the glory and ourselves of joy when we become self-sufficient. Whenever we have a need, let us try going to the Lord first. We should ask without hesitation, keep our motives in check, and expect God to provide. Come in humility and come wholeheartedly. But then also, thirdly, come boldly. Come boldly, meaning come in confidence and in expectation. Hebrews 4.16, because of Jesus, our high priest is open the way for us to go into the holy of holies. We don't have to go through the high priest who only went in once a year. Um, but Jesus is our high priest. We can come boldly into the holy of holies. We come boldly in confidence, in assurance before our Lord, and know that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You're not going to be interrupting God from sitting on his throne, ruling and reigning. You can come right before him, right into his presence, to fellowship with him, to pray, to seek his help in every area of need. And he wants you to come. He beckons you to come. Uh, so let your attitude in prayer be that of humility, Go with wholeheartedness and come boldly before him with your thanksgiving, your praise, your worship, your confession, your petition, your supplication, your intercession. And lastly, the last A, the acceptance of answers to our prayers. We need to accept God's answers to our requests. 
We need to accept God's timing in how he answers and in what he answers. He's God. He knows what's best. He always has our, our, our best interests in mind. He loves us. He does everything perfectly. Quite often, it's beyond our understanding or our figuring out. But as Ephesians 3.20 tells us, he does exceedingly abundantly above what? All we can ask or think before even what we can imagine he is able and often does jesus prayed in the garden three times nevertheless your will he said to his father not mine be done paul prayed three times asking the lord to remove the thorn in his flesh and then he heard the lord tell him but my grace is sufficient for in your weakness my strength will be perfected he accepted that god was not going to remove that thorn and that God's grace would be sufficient. Prayer is to get God's will done, ladies, not our will. His will on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus taught us how to pray. When we pray in Jesus' name, it isn't like a blank check. It, it comes from an account of things that Jesus himself would ask the Lord to do, not just anything that we think he should do or we declare. It's not a name it and claim it. It's not you confess it and it will be. The Lord is sovereign in his answers. The Lord is sovereign in his plan. But we know his plans for us are for good, not for evil. So I, I've shared with you before, I love this saying, within acceptance lieth peace. Elizabeth Elliot made that statement. When you can accept your situation, your life, and what God has planned for you, you will be kept in peace. You can experience peace. Within acceptance lieth peace. Accept God's timing. Accept God's way and how he answers your prayers. Because when Jesus prayed and how he would be praying, he always wanted his Father's will. So pray, ask, seek, knock, continue steadfastly in prayer. And if you write the words ask, seek, and knock, the first letters of those three words spell what? Ask. A-S-K. -A -A ask, seek, and knock. And I'm going to close with Psalm 100. I want to just read it to you. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you've given us the privilege of prayer. We know there's power in prayer. And Lord, we thank you that you hear our prayers. You hear our hearts cry. You hear what we say before we say it. You know what we think before we think it. And Lord, you are such an awesome God, and yet you are mindful of us. Lord, it's just, it's a lot to take in and to comprehend because you are so great and greatly to be praised. And yet, Lord, you desire us. You came for us. 
you wanted fellowship with us. And so, Lord, we count it just a joy and an awesome privilege. So help us never to take it for granted, Lord, and help us to pray more and pray more effectively, knowing that when we pray according to your will, we're going to have those things, Lord. So we pray your will be done, not ours. And I pray for the women that are here this morning that have needs. Lord, I pray they can cast their cares upon you and be reminded of how much you care for them, how much you take interest in every detail of their life, how your thoughts towards them are more than the sands of all the seas. It cannot be numbered. And Lord, I pray that they will be refreshed in how much you love them and how much you are able to do on their behalf when their hearts turn towards you. I pray, Lord, you meet the financial needs that are represented in this room, the emotional needs, Lord, those that need comfort or word of encouragement that are downcast, Lord. Lift, be the lifter of their heads this morning, I pray. Where they have no hope, I pray you restore hope, that they can have that confident expectation that you are on the throne, that you are working, that you are able, more than able to perfect those things that concern them today. Just bless them, Lord. Thank you that they were here today. Be with those that wanted to be and couldn't be for whatever reasons. Just let them know, Lord, how much you love them and are with them in the midst of what's going on in their lives as well. Or those that need a physical healing, we ask for that physical healing. Those that need wisdom and discernment, Lord, we thank you that you give liberally So, Lord, just continue to have your way in our lives, we pray, as you draw us close. We want to draw near to you, and we thank you, Lord, that you draw near to us when we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, ladies.